all my dear listeners, and welcome to Season 2 of Counter Melody. It is I, your host, Daniel Gundlach, and once again I'm eager to delve into the world of song with you. I'm devoted to bringing you the voices of beloved artists, often focusing on unexpected facets of their artistry. In addition, I look forward to presenting less celebrated but equally treasurable singers who also deserve our attention and respect. Since I started this podcast, I've learned even more about the topic to which I have devoted my life, and I'm honored to have you join me on this ongoing mutual journey of discovery. Let's get down to today's business. Great singers and great singing. everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Counter Melody. Before I start, I just had a couple clarifications and corrections I wanted to make, particularly relating to the question of if certain people in the last episode were or were not Nazis. So there are certain ones it's incontrovertible. Karian, absolutely, although I don't think he was on last week. Karl Böhm, absolutely, incontrovertibly. I made reference to the fact that history had clarified the answer to that question, and then I was kind of ambiguous what the answer actually was. Even in Salzburg, they have put up a plaque explaining that he benefited from the ill fortune of his Jewish colleagues during the Third Reich. The other one is the singer with codename Betty Blackhead, who we don't even need to discuss. Kirsten Flagstadt, however, was one of those artists who, even though she was in Nazi-occupied Norway during World War II, she returned from the United States to be with her husband, and he was a collaborator. However, her name was smeared and besmirched in the post-war years, and she had to work very hard to re-establish her good name. That clarifies that issue. I just need to get that out there. Oh, and the other thing that I almost forgot to mention is that I woke up this morning to no internet in our apartment. The router, or the router as Germans call it, is kaputt, and we will not be able to get a new one for the next three or four days. So God knows how I'm going to get this episode posted, but I am determined to do it one way or another. As I was posting the Four Last Songs episode last week, I came upon the sad news that that very day, the great Italian soprano Rosanna Carteri had died just a few weeks short of her 90th birthday. I had, in fact, been planning a 90th birthday tribute to her in December. Instead, I'm going to present today a memorial tribute to this great artist. I know I had said that Paul Robeson was going to be this week's topic. I got a little overwhelmed with the enormity of the subject and the complexity of the subject matter. I'm hoping to have that for you next week. I think we need examples right now of great Americans, and he certainly, in my mind, is one of those people. Now let's turn to Rosanna Carteri. (laughs) 
What you have just heard is an excerpt from an unusual project that Carteri took on in 1962 that was the world premiere of an opera by the popular singer-songwriter Gilbert Picot. It's called Opéra d'Aran, and it is set on an island off the Irish coast. That was an excerpt from Maureen's aria. Carteri was known for her wide-ranging repertoire. Here's an example of her very Italianate way of singing Mozart. This is a recording from the Rai in Italy of De Vieni Non Tardar. This was recorded on the 9th of February, 1953. Therefore, at this point in time, Carteri had just turned 22 years old. It's pretty astonishing. Oh. 
Later in that year, Carteri took part in the world premiere performances of the somewhat truncated but revised complete version of Prokofiev's War and Peace. Arthur Rodzinski is the conductor, Ettore Bastianini is her fellow singer. This is from the very beginning of the opera. was also known as a comedian, and the next two examples that we're going to hear are sparkling examples of that. First, from a recording for the Rai in October 1949, in other words, when she was 18 years old, here's Carteri singing Natnanetta, as one might expect from a young woman of less than 20 years old, but instead Alice Ford. She has the perfect voice for it, and I absolutely love the interplay between her and Giuseppe Taddei as Falstaff. Others in the cast and heard on this recording are Lina Pagliughi as Nannetta, Amalia Pini as Quickly, and Anna Maria Canali as Meg. The conductor is Mario Rossi. Oh, <laughs> 
Yeah. 
now from a live performance of the La Scala Company at Edinburgh in August 1957. Here is Carteri giving an exquisite performance of Adina's 11 o'clock number, if you will. Prendi per me sei libero from L'Elisir d'Amore. Nino Sanzonio is the conductor.
Now from a Rai recording of Guglielmo Tell of Rossini, here is Rosanna Carteri singing the aria Selva Opaca. This was recorded the month before her 21st birthday. The Elisir d'Amore is an example of what I would call the bucolic comedy. A later version of that is Pietro Mascagni's L'Amico Fritz, which has the added interest that this is set in a village where the inhabitants, at least the main characters, are all Jewish, which I love. This is a portion of the so-called Cherry Duet in a recording from the 24th of April 1953 with Rosanna Carteri as Suzel opposite 
the Fritz of Cesare Valletti, a wonderful singer who I'm not sure we've heard yet on the podcast, so I'm happy to present him to you. Vittorio Gui is the conductor. Oh, 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 oh,
Carteri eventually began growing into a slightly larger repertoire, although she always kept a very lyrical component to her sound. I think as she moved through her 20s, she actually became a more refined artist. There's a very interesting recording, for example, of her as Swarangelica. I think she was 18 years old again, and it's very good, but not unsurprisingly, it lacks the ultimate in vocal finesse. But here's an example of a studio recording that she did for EMI in 1957. It's a duet recording with Giuseppe Di Stefano, and they sing several French duets, Carmen, Pearl Fishers, and Faust, but all in Italian, interestingly. And then on the other side, they do duets from Otello and Mascagni's Iris. If you know the story of Iris, it is one of the most cruel, horrible, misogynistic libretti ever set. The poor title character Iris is subject to humiliation, prostitution, and finally death in a gutter. Her antagonist is the tenor Kyoto, and this is a duet from Iris. It's just a portion of what they recorded, but it takes us through Iris's aria called Undi Eropicina. There are magnificent recordings of this from a number of Verismo sopranos, including the best recent recordings of these, and I'm talking about within the last 40 or 50 years, are by Maria Chiara and Renata Scotto. And I think Carteri's performance takes its place among those great versions.
as we move into the Werbung, the advertisement, the self-promotion section of the episode, I'm going to offer you a performance of Carteri singing from an Italian operetta from the 1920s called Prima Rosa. This is the Addio alla Colomba. For those of you who are able, I invite you to support the podcast via my Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash countermelody. I just posted my sixth bonus episode last week for supporters of the podcast. If you provide support even at $2 a month, you can gain access to those episodes. So I invite you to do that, and I thank you all for your support. And if you're a U.S. American, have you voted or made a plan to vote? I sure as hell hope you have. I say this every week. I'm hoping that in time for next week's episode, there will be a positive election result. But one never knows. And now back to the episode. We heard at the beginning of the podcast an excerpt from the Opéra d'Aran of Gilbert Bécaud. I believe this was a direct result of Francis Poulenc having heard Carteri singing a performance of his Dialogues of the Carmelites in Italy in which she performed the role of Blanche. He was so taken with her that he asked her to participate in the world premiere recording of his newly composed Gloria. 
He wrote this for the Boston Symphony, and it was premiered by them with Adele Addison as the soprano soloist. But for the recording, he asked Carteri to please lend her voice to the proceedings. This 1961 studio recording was recorded in his presence and led to some very interesting further, shall we say, late career engagements for Carteri in France.
One of those projects was a recording in a series of excerpts from French operas. In this case, it's Romeo et Juliette, and here's a portion of the fourth act duet with Nicolas Guetta as her Romeo and Georges Prêtre, who was involved in the Poulain Gloria, as well as the Gilbert Bécaud, is the conductor. I wish I had time to play the whole thing. Nicolas Guetta, I think, is in extraordinarily good voice. He's not always a singer that I respond to, but I think he's fantastic here, and they make a wonderful, wonderful pair. Je pars. 
Now we're going to hear Carteri in a series of duets from some of her most iconic roles. First of all, from a 1952 Rai recording of La Bohème, here she is with Ferruccio Tagliavini doing the death scene of Mimi. Oh. 
giorno al nido la rondine cinguetta. A number of years later, just after her 27th birthday, Carteri, whom it must be added was an extraordinarily handsome woman, appeared in a performance of La Rondine at the Teatro San Carlo in Napoli, which was recorded for film. This is an excerpt from the final scene with Giuseppe Gismondo, an almost forgotten Italian tenor, as her partner. Vincenzo Bellezza is the conductor in this live performance from the 26th of January, 1958. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> 
Cargheri also recorded the duet from Butterfly with Carlo Bergonzi for a Rai radio broadcast. This was recorded on the 30th of January 1960. It's a portion of the duet starting with Vogliatemi Bene.
Many people feel that Rosanna Carteri's recording of La Traviata is one of the supreme recordings of this opera. Look at this cast. Rosanna Carteri, Cesare Valletti, whom we heard in L'Amico Fritz, and Leonard Warren as Papa Germont. Pierre Monteux is conducting the Orchestra dell'Opera di Roma in this 1956 recording made for RCA Victor. I wish I could play the entire second act duet, which is just mind-blowingly good. I'm just going to offer the portion after the Dite alla Giovine section, starting with words imponete. Here are Carteri and Leonard Warren, an unbeatable pair. Partite, seguirete, allora, figlia, col figlia, abbracciate, forte così sarà,
1966, Rosanna Carteri, expecting her second child, decided that she was going to truncate her career and devote the remainder of her life to her family, which she did. There's a beautiful tribute to her in 2013 at the Fenice in Venice, where a snappily dressed, still very beautiful Carteri receives the praise of two panelists, as well as a room full of admirers. It's very moving. Too often, people lament that Carteri chose to end her career very early, as did her compatriot Anita Cerquetti. But what we must acknowledge is people have their reasons for doing what they do. It's extraordinary the depth of artistry displayed by Carteri from the very earliest days of her career. And by the way, the role of her debut was Elsa in Lohengrin. So she was a fully formed artist at the very beginning of her career and developed into an even finer singer until the time that she retired in 1966. I had mentioned Carteri's physical beauty that certainly is on full display in a film version that she did of Otello opposite Mario del Monaco. Tullio Serafin is the conductor. This soundtrack was recorded in Milano on the 20th of September 1958. I'm going to play you the Willow Song and the Ave Maria from the soundtrack of that film.
My dear friends, it was a joy to bring you Rosanna Carteri today. I offer condolences to her family and loved ones and to all of us who treasure her. May she rest in peace and may we all encounter a more peaceful world as the events of this week unfold before us. Please don't forget, whatever else happens, keep the song in your hearts. Sending you all love and courage. I'm Daniel Gundlach.